just to give a little bit of background for where we're at at the moment, uh, as we open up uh, James, we've been in our series on James. It's been a pretty, pretty awesome series, just uh, looking at um, the wisdom that James has for uh, a scattered, scattered group of Messianic Jews um, around, the, around the area. James is writing from Jerusalem, and he's kind of writing this... Uh, this letter to, to people to, uh, I guess, unpack for them what it looks like to be a Christian in a non-Jewish cultural setting. Um, it's uh, a place that we kind of find ourselves in as Christians today in Australia. The, there was a recent survey that showed that um, less and less people in our country claim to be Christians. And so uh, this is kind of... A, it sets us up well for understanding what James is talking about and talking into, because um, we find ourselves in a very similar cultural situation as the people he's writing to. So uh, with that, um, let us jump into tonight's passage. So we're opening up to James chapter 5, verses 7 to 11. So if you've got your Bibles, feel free to open them up and uh, we'll read together. Um, should be up on the slide. Oh, look at that. It's ahead of me. Okay. It says, <laughs> So be patient, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's return. Think of how the farmer waits for the precious fruit from the ground and is patient for it until he receives its early and late rains. You also be patient and strengthen your hearts, for the Lord's return is near. Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, so that you might not be judged. See, the judge stands before the gates. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name. Think of how we regard as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance, and you have seen the Lord's purpose, that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Uh, I was at this point going to do a little bit, but I don't have my water with me. I was going to say that the theme of the passage for tonight was, and I was going to do the whole wait for it, and then uh, patience, uh, that is the theme that we're going to be looking at tonight. Um, but I thought instead I would do a little bit of a self-assessment. Uh, I think I am more or less a pretty patient person. Um, there's plenty of uh, family members who are giving me scolds at the moment. Okay, I'll move right along. Uh, that's until the internet goes down, uh, or I haven't had my morning coffee yet. Uh, then I am a living nightmare. I'm moody, unapproachable, and quite cranky. Uh, people who were on camp with me probably found me up bright and early, um, having my morning coffee, uh, just trying to be an approachable person before they met me. Uh, James here says, so brothers and sisters, be patient. Um, and my first question for us tonight is, what do you find yourself waiting for? Uh, for Nicole and I right now, we're uh, waiting, um, waiting and watching all of the uh, house prices around our area just go skyrocketing up um, much faster than my pay is going up, Peter. Just a little word from the Lord um, right there. <laughs> so we find ourselves waiting on uh, potentially getting a house one day, um, and it's looking 
less and less achievable. Uh, I don't know what some of the things you are waiting on. I know that uh, other people are even a step further back than we are. They're uh, waiting for getting into a rental, which is getting harder and harder. Um, you're stuck at living at home with parents. Um, maybe you're seeing friends of yours kind of taking next steps in their relationships with other people, and that's not quite working out for you right now. Um, maybe you find yourself jobless and searching for, for a means of getting an income. You've done all the qualifications, you've got all the, the right papers, and you interview okay, but you realize that there's no jobs around, particularly after COVID and all of that fun stuff. Um, or maybe you're right now dealing with uh, illness and pain, and you're going through um, time of seeing people, I guess, that are uh, kind of going on with life, and you find yourself having to, to figure out your, your health. Um, there's a lot of things that we're waiting on in life, and it's, uh, it's where we're going to find ourselves looking at tonight, um, this topic of patience. Um, what we see from the world, if we want to just go to the next slide there, Eric. Um, we live in a world that uh, loves uh, instant gratification, uh, quick answers to these problems that we find ourselves having. Um, our culture and society uh, loves to uh, throw like things in front of us, ads and advertising subliminally and um, direct there in our faces. Uh, when you scroll through Facebook, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you just watch uh, friends and other people uh, that are around you, hundreds and hundreds of them all doing life, going great, uh, kicking goals, and um, it makes it very, very tempting to look at that and go, yeah, I want that too. I want to go on that holiday. I want to go and do that thing. I want to go buy that thing. Um, it's a bombardment that our culture has against us. Um, and I don't have to convince any of you of that issue. I'm sure that all of you have faced it. Um, we also live in a world that uh, loves um, to kind of become more productive. Um, we live in a world where uh, time is money. Um, our postmodern world is saying uh, we want to go more efficiently. We want speed. Uh, we want you to work harder for less time, um, get things done so that our culture will kind of progress forward. Um, and so we kind of find ourselves getting pushed faster and faster and faster. I don't know if you've ever seen the graphs of how quickly um, technology is progressing, but it is going at a very, very steep incline and only ever getting faster. And so that is the culture that we find ourselves in, and it's the culture that James writes to as well, um, although much less drastic in his day. Um, we unpacked last week, uh, Dave did a really, really good job of unpacking, uh, looking at the world. James looks at the world and he goes, look at all the rich, look at all the people that idolize money and success and fame and all of these things. They're, they're slaving their lives towards this end. And so our passage tonight is kind of written to the Christians after he's given this scathing tirade about uh, what it looks like for rich to get richer. He says, you're to be different. You're not meant to be rich, you're meant to be patient. 
So uh, if you want to go to the next slide, Eric, um, this is a fun one. Uh, as I was breaking down this passage uh, during the week, I kind of uh, came up with a little way of uh, understanding the passage in its entirety. I call it um, uh, the cheeseburger method. Uh, you won't find this in any commentaries, I promise you of that, and uh, all of the pastors in the room are busy shaking their heads saying that this is uh, not theologically correct. But we're going to go with it for tonight. So uh, the way I broke this down uh, is at the first and last parts of the passage, um, what I'm calling the buns, uh, we see that James focuses in on blessing and the kingdom of God. Uh, In the next section, uh, what I call the sauce, a little tomato sauce in between uh, the two buns, uh, he finds himself talking about farmers and prophets as like examples of patience. Sandwiched in between that, we've got the patties, um, where he talks about the nearness of God, the imminence of God, that God is close, that he's coming soon. Um, And then right sandwiched in the middle, um, the best part of the entire burger in between the two patties is the cheese. Uh, And that is where he gives this little nugget about being patient with others. So, uh, let's unpack it a little bit. If you want to jump to the next slide, Eric, so that people aren't uh, caught up looking at burgers. In verse 7, James asks the reader to be patient until the Lord returns. And in the end of verse 11, he says, um, you've seen the Lord's purpose, that he is full of compassion and mercy. James reminds us of the good news of the gospel um, that we've got this ultimate hope that we're all going towards. Um, There is blessing to come for us who are patient. Um, We look forward to a time when God restores all things and redeems uh, all of the stuff in this world that we see as broken. And this is a promise to the people who are faithful and who are patient in suffering. God's promise for all of us who cling to Jesus and follow him is that we're going to receive the greatest of rewards that he's already purchased for us. And this is a really cool thing, is that it's already been done. The work's been done to purchase us eternity with him. He died on a cross for us. And so um, we see this in the story of Job. Uh, This is the kind of uh, section at the end of verse 11. He says um, that... Look at the story of Job. Look at how God was compassionate and merciful to Job. Job, if, uh, for those of you who haven't read Job, goes through some of the most horrific pain imaginable at the hands of the devil. Um, he loses everything. He's uh, disease-ridden. Uh, he loses his kids, his job, all of this other stuff. He just loses all of it. And he's going through this time of suffering. But we see at the end of the story, it kind of makes light of all the other story. He ends up with 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. And he lives for another 140 years after his years of uh, terrible times. Uh, So that is something to look forward to, 14,000 sheep. I guess that's good. we see that God eventually rewards Job for being patient in suffering. 
And so what James' goal here is to reframe our perspective. Ash, the other morning, did a, a good uh, sermon on Revelation and our need to reframe our perspective, to have a heavenly mindset. Um, if we start looking through a heavenly perspective, the suffering that we have now becomes uh, less meaningful because we look at the blessing that we're going to be receiving one day. Um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more as we go along too. So, uh, the first part here, the buns, we're talking about a kingdom perspective. This is kind of one of the hallmark things of uh, learning to live a life of patience. Now to the source. So if you want to go to the next slide again, um, Eric. He uses two uh, kind of examples of patience in different ways. The first one he uses, he takes like a, uh, a book out of Jesus and says, uh, look at the farmers. Um, look at how they wait for the early and the late rains. Uh, I work at the moment uh, with Peter as a landscaper and uh, he's probably getting triggered right now as I speak about early and late rains um, because we are currently learning what it is to be patient uh, with God in a very similar way to farmers do. We, uh, we're in the opposite camp. We're waiting for the early and late sun. Um, as the rain just kind of comes down, we are so impacted by the weather. Um, working in nature, you get a, an interesting insight in what it looks like to actually have to just wait. There's only so much you can do when the weather isn't right. Uh, I also went on a trip to Stanthorpe recently and was chatting to a uh, vineyard worker down there um, named Walter. He's a really, really nice guy. Uh, and he was talking about how he just lost uh, almost his entire um, harvest of grapes because of bad weather during the year. Uh, but it was interesting as he talked about it, he has this other way of looking at it that he just, he has this peace about him as he talks about that. He just goes, Oh, the weather just wasn't good this year, so um, we'll get the fields ready and we'll, we'll hope for a, a good harvest next year. As we look at farmers, we can get a really beautiful insight into what a patient life looks like. Um, the second example that James recalls is the one of the prophets and of Job. Um, a quote from uh, Craig L. Bloomberg uh, he wrote this really awesome book. Uh, if you're a, a big nerd, you can get it out from the library or something. Uh, it's called Neither Poverty Nor Riches. Uh, it's, it's a really, really good book. But anyway, here's a, a quote from him from that, uh, that book. No amount of social action and concern, however well balanced or properly motivated, will create utopia here on earth, short of the eschaton, the end times. But verses 10 and 11 suggest that there is more that concerned Christians could do and should do in the present age. James encourages us to take as an example the patience in the face of suffering of the first prophets and then Job. He then talks about uh, what it looks like to have a militant patience. What we see in this story of the prophets and of Job is this crying out to God. We see that they've got this vocal kind of patience. It's not like the 
sit on your lounge chair and wait for Jesus to come again uh, kind of patience. Uh, James is not interested in that. He's not interested in the uh, saved, you know, bus ticket. I'll wait for, wait for a heart attack to get me or something, and then, then I'll see Jesus again. No, what we're called to do is to be like the prophets and like Job, where we're meant to be praying, seeking after God. We're meant to be uh, advocating for the socially marginalized and the oppressed. Our patience is one where we've got hope for what could be and what's to come, but we're speaking into the right now. And so what he's asking for us to do here is to be patient people who are actually uh, active in the community. Um, We see that a desperate life um, of pleading out to God and acknowledgement of his providence and compassion leads to such beautiful blessing in the world around us. And that's our hope and prayer. I know Nicole says to me almost every day before I go to work, go and make the world beautiful. Um, And that is what we're called to do. That's what we, uh, our patience is to look like. In these two illustrations, we can see that Jesus in his life on earth, uh, we can see Jesus in his life on earth. It was his heart to upheave the systems of oppression and injustice as he preached against pharisaical Jews and the rich like the prophets before him. And we see him weep before God and petition the throne room of heaven in prayer like Job as he suffered in the garden before his death. And I thank God that we've got a saviour like that. If you just want to jump to the next slide again. Uh, now to the patties. Uh, so this is the imminence of God. Uh, James is expectant that God is going to come soon. His encouragement is to not lose faith. Um, he's like a, a dad at the cross country, and he's just down the side there ru- running next to, his, uh, next to his son or whatever, and he's going, go, Jimmy, just a little further. You can do it. Come on. You're getting close. Come on, buddy. Yeah, that's it. And the... the Line is getting there and Jimmy's running out of breath, but Dad's still there. Come on, Jimmy, you can do it. Uh, this is what James is kind of doing here for us. He's kind of saying, come on, God's close. You can do it. You can, you can hold out a little longer. You can have patience. Even in your, your hard circumstances, you can do it. Um, Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18 says, so we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Again, this is that eternal perspective, and it's coming soon. So while we see people living lives of luxury, enjoying the spoils of Earth's excess, um, it can be easy to forget that an unimaginable glory awaits us in heaven. As Luke uh, was talking to us this weekend at Young Adults Retreat, um, he used the picture that I think Francis Chan uses of the little red tape on the end of the rope that goes on and on and on. our life is just this little part of a giant, giant rope that extends on into eternity. 
And so our little bit of suffering here is going to make so much more sense when we enter into heaven and we've got an eternity with God. And so can we be people who live in that kind of light? And so now for the cheese. Sandwiched right in the middle of all of this is the cheese. So if you want to go to the next slide, Eric, again. He addresses kind of the, this is a like frustratingly practical part about what James does in all of his letter. He kind of uh, brings it right back down to earth. You're like, oh, yay, kingdom of God. I can't wait. You know, that's wonderful. And he's like, all right, now I want you to be patient with other people. Right in the center. He makes sure that it's front and center. He sandwiches it right in there. It's a cheese. It's nice and melted in there. Uh, He says uh, his practical advice to us is to be patient with one another. We uh, live in community here. We've been looking at this at Young Adults at Camp, what it means to be disciples and disciples of others. And one of the things we talked about was uh, being patient with people, waiting on people, um, giving people time to, to learn and to grow. Um, this tells us why patience is so, so necessary for us to have, because love takes time. And it takes a lot of it. Um, people who are parents in the room will know this all too well, that uh, patience uh, is really, really needed to show love to your uh, son or daughter. Uh, I was also reading this. I've been reading slowly, so reading in and amongst all of the other books that I've been reading, uh, a book called Becoming Friends of Time by John Swinton. And he says this, We may choose to live our lives very quickly. When time is money, speed equals more of it. We may choose to stigmatize, alienate, downgrade, and exclude people for taking up too much of our time, for being slow in pace, speech, wit, or intellect. But in the face of a three-mile-per-hour God, such ways of being in the world become revelatory of what it means to love and be fully human. The re- reality is that when time is love, speed equals less, less of it. The love of God is in, inexor- inexorably slow. Jesus walked slowly. Love takes time. I thought that was just a beautiful image of God, the creator of the universe, coming down to earth as Jesus and walking. He could have come kind of in our day and age and he could have jumped in a car and driven around everywhere, but he chose to go into a time where he would have to walk. And so we also are called to mirror him. We're meant to walk slowly with people, taking time to love them. If we just pursue money, status, fame, power, whatever those things are that take up our time more and more and more, we're going to find ourselves with less and less people in our lives. We're going to find ourselves with less and less time to love the people we care about. In 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is not slow concerning his promise, as some regard slowness, but being patient towards you, because he does not wish for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. God is very, very patient with us. And he wants all of us to come into a loving relationship with him. 
And so I thought to land the sermon tonight, I've probably been speaking for way too long already, uh, I would talk about kind of four principles, four practices that we can go out with and we can kind of uh, put into practice in the now to try and become more patient people in a world that's so fast. Uh, So if you want to just jump another slide, sorry Eric. So I've got four little things that I wanted to share um, that God's kind of just been revealing to me as I've been preparing. Uh, The first one is gratitude. Uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman Um, He has a very interesting podcast, uh, and he talks about the science of gratitude in one of his podcast episodes. Um, And among a lot of other things that he talks about, um, gratitude practices, when put into place, can reduce inflammation in the body, it reduces fear, it, it boosts our serotonin levels, and it helps us scientifically in our brains and in our, uh, in our health. And he says that one of the best ways to adopt a gratitude practice scientifically is actually through the hearing of testimonies and stories of good things happening to people. And so one of the gratitude practices that I want to try and cultivate more and more is to listen to people's testimonies of what God is doing in their lives. And I think as a community, it's just going to be so important that we fill each other's lives of the stories of what good God is doing. Um, And I think that's going to change the way that we see the world. And I think it's going to make us more patient with one another and the world around us. The second thing is time in nature. Uh, As we saw um, in one of his illustrations, farmers know what it means to be patient. Um, And so I think one of the things that we can do to really become more patient people is spend time outside in nature, um, experiencing uh, the weather, planting a little garden, um, maybe a little pot plant if you're still in a small place like us. Uh, And I also had, um, considering that it was NADOC week, um, I stumbled across this a little while ago on Facebook. Um, It is from Miriam Rose, a Aboriginal activist an educator and an artist, and she was the 2021 Senior Australian of the Year. And she says this, and I think it's such a beautiful example of what patience looks like in a culture that was surrounded by nature and in the world that we live around. My people are not threatened by silence. They're completely at home in it. They have lived for thousands of years with nature's quietness. My people today recognize and experience in this quietness the great life-giving spirit, the father of us all. It is easy for me to experience God's presence. When I am out hunting, when I'm in the bush, among the trees, on a hill, or by a billabong, these are times when I I can simply be in God's presence. My people have been so aware of nature. It is natural that we will feel close to the creator. Our Aboriginal culture has taught us to be still and to wait. We do not try to hurry things up. We let them follow their natural course, like the seasons. We watch the moon in each of its phases. We wait for the rain to fill our rivers and the water, the thirsty earth. Our culture is different. We are asking our fellow Australians to take time to know us and to be still and to listen to us. And so that kind of leads me on to... um, Stillness and meditation. 
uh, one of the great things that we can do to learn how to be more patient is to practice it in stillness with God and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us and to our hearts, making us more quiet. It also increases our discipline. And the final thing is fasting. Um, I am terrible at fasting. Um, Nicole can testify to that. I uh, struggle to do it. I questioned for a very long time what the point in fasting is. Um, <laughs> but as I've prepared this, I've realized that fasting serves a really important process, I think, for us today. Um, our culture doesn't know what it is like to fast, doesn't know what it's like to go without things. We just fill our lives with more and more and more stuff. But the practice of fasting actually recenters our attention on God. It allows us to cut out some of the excess baggage that we carry around with us everywhere. Um, it forces us to think more physically when we're doing something with hunger. And when we go without technology or things like that, it helps us to remember that there are more important things in life. And so, to finish up tonight, I just wanted to read one more little quote um, from Thomas Akempis. He's got this book, Imitation of Christ. It is well worth a read for anyone who um, has been a Christian for a while. Um, it's a bit old-timey, but uh, bear with it. But tell me, for what purpose camest thou hither, to serve or to govern, govern to be ministered unto, or to minister. Thou knowest that here thou art called to a life of subjection, labor, and patience, not of dominion, idleness, and amusement. Here men are tired as gold in the fire, and here no one can stand, unless with his whole heart he desireth to be humbled in the highest degree for the sake of God. And so we kind of land on the final point that uh, Dave got to last week as well. What James is really calling for us to do is humble ourselves before God and to practice lives of patience and to embrace, uh, to embrace suffering in a way that our culture may not be uh, very well adept at doing. So I might pray while the band comes up. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for James, who, who reminds us um, that it's really, really important that we embrace uh, patience rather than uh, pursuing this excess and all this other stuff. I pray, Lord, that you would help us and empower us to, to live more patient lives. Help us to be like you, Jesus, and take the time to love people well pray that as we leave this building, God, that we would be reshaping our lives to be more like you. And would you help us to just have a heavenly perspective that we can realize that this, this life that is filled with so much suffering and pain and, and, um, and speed, Lord, that there is a time coming when that won't be our worry anymore that you'll be with us in fullness of joy and we'll get to feast with you in heaven. 
Help us to remember that when the times get hard and we need to exercise patience. In your name we pray. Amen.